Hey, I'm Josh from Litchfield Park, Arizona. Hi, this is Mark from Anchorage, Alaska. I'm Colin Sharp from Vancouver, Canada. The Sound of Young America is produced independently and supported by listeners like you and me. You should succumb to your guilt and support the show like I did. Just visit MaximumFun.org slash donate. I'm Jesse Thorne. Live on tape from my house in Los Angeles, it's The Sound of Young America from MaximumFun.org and PRI, Public Radio International. It's the Sound of Young America. I'm Jesse Thorne. We're live on the site of the Calgary Folk Festival in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. There are all kinds of performers here, and my guest is one of them. Annie Clark performs as St. Vincent. Her two records called uh, Marry Me and Actor have been critically acclaimed and uh, uh, commercially successful, at least on their own terms. They are an eclectic and beautiful mix of her clear and sometimes sweet vocals and uh, orchestration and uh, her uh, frankly somewhat rockin' uh, and sometimes very distorted guitar playing. Let's take a listen to one of the singles from actor Mero. Annie, welcome to The Sound of Young America. It's great to have you here. Thank you for having me. I was impressed to learn that you started your uh, professional music career not as a professional musician, but uh, rather as your aunt and uncle's road manager. Yeah, um, they are very generous, and so they allowed me the title of road manager, but I think more <laughs> it was more like like schlepper or like roadie. They were, they were jazz musicians, right? Yeah, they're a jazz duo make beautiful music together they've been playing music for 30 years together and they've been married for i think about 35 so how old were you the first time you went out on the road with them i was 16 what what did your parents think of the idea i mean they were supportive they uh you know sort of like a summer job 
go, go to Japan and, <laughs> and carry carry things. What did you imagine the life of a touring musician to be like before you went? And, and like, what did you find out about it? Well, um, have you seen Madonna's Truth or Dare? Uh, I think I saw Madonna's Truth or Dare, but I think I may have been 10 years old. Um, me too. Yeah, I saw it a yeah. little too, probably a little too young. But I thought, yeah, going out on the road. You were like imagining that. like a yeah. Spinal Tap type situation. Kind of spinal with Tap like moments. Tons of like, oh, like big load-ins into stadiums or something. <laughs> well, I, I guess I just pictured like sort of luxury and a little bit of debauchery. And what I got was actually more fulfilling i mean and a lot there was a lot less sleep involved than i think i i thought uh you went to music school after high school you went to uh, berkeley college of music which is a school where um i think a lot of times people go to learn to be uh like super technically proficient so that they can work in popular music like so that they can kind of get jobs Mm-hmm. Um, was that what you were hoping to get out of that experience? The ability to be able to be like, oh, you know, I can, I can play guitar in any session. Um, that is definitely the, the curriculum at Berkeley is like, learn how to be a jack of all trades, learn how to be that perfect session player. Cool. You need to solo over changes. Great. Go for it. You know, blues and G. Let's take it there. And I and I, so when I first got there, well, funny story, I, I showed up to Berkeley College and they have these things called proficiencies, which they basically listen to you play and watch you sight read and give you a number one through nine as to and say, OK, one is, you know, the worst and, and nine is like what are you doing here, kid? You're already George Benson, you know? <laughs> and, um, and so I went in and I think I played like some one original song of mine. Um, and I, I, I got twos. So I was, a, I was a two, um, throughout actually my entire, I spent about three years at Berkeley. So I never, I never improved ever, <laughs> ever according to Berkeley College of Music but you know that's all right you know I, I think one of the the best things I did was kind of leave school and in some ways you have to kind of just unlearn everything that you've learned um, because I I realized that that is a good track for some people but I didn't want to be a session player in LA I didn't I didn't really want to do that and frankly nor was I in any way capable you didn't have what it took to be the next Ingve Malmsteen <laughs> Nice reference. Yeah, no. I mean, I did play in metal bands as a teenager, but kind of stopped there. When you quit school, did you have like an idea of where you were going from there? Did you have a a vision for yourself? Well, I had a dream. I had a dream like most people have. A dream in a cardboard suitcase. (laughs) I had a dream, a cardboard suitcase, and a Telecaster. And I went to New York City. And three months later, I left New York City (laughs) (laughs) completely broke after um, wearing up my welcome on various friends' couches. And I moved back to Texas and back in with a little someone named Mom. So reclaiming my roots, I guess you could say, and also having a a quarter-life crisis. But luckily, while while I was there, um, a couple of friends of mine from high school were in the polyphonic spree, and they asked me to try out for the band and I kind of joined the band about three weeks later after moving back to Dallas and and thank god I did because frankly I I don't know I don't know what I would be doing if I hadn't kind of had the 
the old the old boost back into playing music. It's the Sound of Young America. I'm Jesse Thorne. We're recording this week live on the site of the Calgary Folk Festival in Calgary, Alberta. My guest is Annie Clark, better known as St. Vincent. Before she started recording her own records, she was a member of the Polyphonic Spree, a group of literally dozens of musicians that wear matching robes and produce some gleeful indie pop music. Um, Annie, tell me, uh, what was it like to have basically your first real professional music experience be in this group that is so, um, I guess you might say, extraordinary in so many different ways? I mean, I had been a fan of the band because as I was kind of just just leaving Dallas to go to to Berkeley, they were really bubbling up around Dallas. And I'd been a big fan of Tripping Daisy, which was um, Tim DeLotter's band before the Polyphonic Spree. So it was kind of like, I'm in a band with one of my heroes. That's so cool. And, and um, three dozen other and people. seven million <laughs> people in sweaty robes in a, in a, you know, I think there were 18 of, of us in a tour bus. And that we even had two tour buses, and we were we were doing these European festivals, um, and that was kind of my first. That was like, jump on in, kid. And and the first show we did was in Spain for like thirty thousand people. I mean, in a robe, lots of robes, and I, it it was kind of unbelievable. I mean, I had played shows under my own name, um, being Annie Clark. I'd played shows in pizza parlors, coffee houses, and any, any any number of really demoralizing places. And then suddenly I was kind of on stage with a whole gaggle of like rowdy Texans and we were making a joyous noise. Were you writing and recording for yourself while you were doing all this 75 person on stage robe wearing? I was, yeah, I was. I was working, um, I met Brian Teasley, who's the drummer of Manor Astroman, but he was the percussion player in the Polyphonic Spree at that time. And, um, he really took a shine to me and, and we just really hit it off and started um, working on these songs that I had and he was drumming on them and kind of co-producing them and being very helpful and being, you know, being a great cheerleader because I was pretty down in the dumps um, about my New York failure experiment. Um, and just over the course of being in the band and, and, uh, and touring and everything, I had lots of pockets of time to work on, work on what became the Marry Me record. I want to play the the title song from uh, your first album, Marry Me. It's a relatively straightforward compared to some of your some of your other songs. Let's hear a little bit. Open sign is blinking 
So I read somewhere, and I don't remember exactly where, sometime this morning, you saying that in, in a way this was an homage to or a stab at, I think was the ver- the verb you had, uh, to one of my all-time favorite records, which is the D'Angelo album, Voodoo. Oh, yeah. Um, and I thought that was such an interesting thing, and, and, and I can I can hear it in listening to the sort of es- aesthetics of it. T- tell me what you meant by that. Well, the... D'Angelo Voodoo record is just one of the sexiest rhythm section moments ever in life. And so I spent a long time working on the beat for Marry Me with the intention that it would be like D'Angelo's Voodoo in terms of the hand, this really flammy big hand claps and like the sexy low end bass. I mean, to be perfectly frank, like, of course I didn't get anywhere near that, but... <laughs> and it's not, I mean, you know, and it's but, also just not an R&B record. Yeah, it's not an R&B record. Something I was thinking about as I heard it is that one of the distinguishing characteristics in my mind about that voodoo record, which was um, uh, produced by uh, Questlove, Amir Thompson from The Roots, is that um, he was, he's like this really fanatical, he's built his whole career as a hip-hop drummer, drumming hip-hop beats, which means that his whole career in a way is is built not just around his you know ability to play some particular beat, but his ability to use technology to capture the perfect sound. And I get the impression that you're someone who um, who really enjoys not just, you know, uh, the process of you know writing a song on an acoustic guitar but the the idea of a, a guitar or any instrument electronically being like a music making machine almost yeah this actor record in particular i wrote and arranged all of it in garage band and in logic which is just you know kind of consumer friendly apple software all in MIDI. Like I didn't really touch any actual physical instrument until kind of it came time to record the record. And um, MIDI that... is MIDI is a technology that allows people allows you to uh, compose on a computer without um, without instruments, and you know it's like a sequencing. Yeah, thing. like virtual keyboard. Right. That that sort of thing. And um, so I basically sequenced the whole record before I had touched an instrument or really made vocal melodies or really written words or anything like that. And for this listening at home, I just wouldn't advise that. It's a very, (laughs) it's like a hair pulling out, very tedious process. And there is no gratification until the end when you go, oh, that's music. Cool. Isn't that neat? And so, but what kind of what happened is I ended up writing guitar parts on the computer but that that i feel like is a good i feel like that's a good technique is to write on instruments that you don't play and also write for instruments that you don't play and write guitar parts on you know on the computer so you you don't you're not relying just on muscle memory did you use any portion of that programmed version of the album on the actual record or was it something that you brought into the studio and recreated every part in the studio with i mostly recreated um all of the parts but um if you listen to the beginning of there's just oh marrow which i guess played a, a bit earlier um 
those are real clarinets playing but they're but I also had gotten so attached to the sound of the garage band I don't know I think it's clarinets <laughs> or something in there that that I just mixed them in together so it didn't sound so organic the Sound of Young America is proud to present comedian and podcaster Mike Schmidt in his first ever hilarious one-man show about his consistent and colossal failures in the game of life. The 40-year-old boy, Success is Not an Option, plays at the Dark Room Theater in San Francisco's Mission District on August 20th and 21st. Tickets and more information are available at MaximumFun.org and DarkroomSF.com. The Sound of Young America is supported in part by Ask Metafilter. Thousands of life's little questions answered online at ask.metafilter.com. And by Field Notes Brand, makers of American memo books and more. Now featuring county fair editions, one for each state in the United States of America. Field Notes Brand. I'm not writing it down to remember it later. I'm writing it down to remember it now. Fieldnotesbrand.com. It's the Sound of Young America. I'm Jesse Thorne. We're at the Calgary Folk Festival in Calgary, Alberta. Uh, my guest is Annie Clark, who performs as St. Vincent. She's performing here at the festival. I read that uh, you. I, I, I read several interviews where you were talking about David Mamet, and the uh, the album is called Actor. Um, and there are some metaphors in the album about the sort of artistic experience of being an actor. Um, both in terms of performing, but also in terms of the a life of an actor and the idea of a life of an actor. And he has this amazing theory on acting, which is essentially just an actor's job is to say the words loud enough so that the audience can hear them. Yeah. Like, he's so spiteful. <laughs> it's really kind of amazing and spectacular. And he's so elegant at being so spiteful. Absolutely. And so Midwestern and pragmatic. There's something about that, that kind of like, that sort of like absurdly, like he goes beyond clear-mindedness to the point where clear-mindedness somehow becomes a, a new abstracted thing and it's just like super brutal mm -hmm. too like well when you watch a david mamet film you're very aware at, at you're very aware that you're watching a film you you you're not getting you do completely get lost in the story and the twists and turns and and but you're very aware of kind of how perfectly constructed things are um yeah, I really like David Mamet. Um, I've read; it's been a while, but I've definitely read a lot of his, um, a lot of his essays on drama and all of his, uh, most of his books. So I kept, yeah, I kept sort of referring to him because I, I was so aware of the process in making this thing, and it was, it was, it's extremely, it was so cerebral because, um, as I said, as I was writing it, I wasn't, I literally, what you know, wasn't, wasn't holding like a. Um, you know, a guitar in my hand that's there's wood and strings and force and counterforce. I mean, there was none of that. <laughs> it was just it was just cerebral. And so I I think kind of what what happens is y your your brain starts to kind of e eat itself a little bit. We were talking about uh, one of the things that that is unique to the Calgary Folk Festival where we are, which is that um, here at the festival, the uh, the performers perform their own sets as they would anywhere else. They are also side stages where during the day they are combined into sort of semi-random lineups by the festival organizers and asked to, to jam together. 
And uh, before we started talking on microphone, we were talking about your first jam session and how unusual it is for you to do this on your songs since they so often take odd turns and have unusual kind of sonic palettes. It's it's not sort of a matter of let's all get in the same key and, you know, we'll four on the floor it out. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I wonder if that's something that you – what you think is the reason behind those twists and turns and contrasts? Is it, is it emotional? Is it, like, ideological? Is it a matter of wanting to, like, build arcs or is it a matter of wanting to subvert yourself or, or what? Um, I think I approached it for a long time kind of subconsciously and also – um, also emotionally, which is that I like, you know, tons of people had uh, kind of anxiety disorders or I mean, to call I guess it is a disorder, but to call it that I don't mean to stigmatize it in such a way or really it's it's not particularly special, you know, I guess is what I'm trying to say. But I had a, you know, panic attacks and, and uh, you know, anxiety and things like that. So for me, it was very natural that music would be kind of like, oh, it's going along swimmingly. And then, oh, God, you know, the dark clouds kind of come in. And um, so I think that I think that a lot of the songs have have tended toward that. But now I mean, now I'm I that was kind of a thing of of being younger and kind of growing up. And I feel pretty even keel now. So maybe I can just write straight, straightforward pop songs that don't have to like <laughs> zoom into the dark side. It's the sound of Young America. I'm Jesse Thorne. We're at the Calgary Folk Festival in Calgary, Alberta. My guest is one of the performers at the festival, Annie Clark. She writes and records and performs as St. Vincent. Here's another song from her new album, Actor. It's called Actor Out of Work. You're a supplement. We have actors on the sound of Young America sometimes, and um, one of the things that impresses me the most about an actor is not the um, transformational qualities, not the performative stuff. Um, it is actually more the um, idea that you have to go and ask somebody for their permission to do the thing that you do. That is like your emotion, like your artistic and emotional lifeblood mm -hmm. you have to go in with 75 other people and uh get permission to do it and uh that song sort of um that song sort of plays on that idea 
of someone who is who is somehow who is almost like rendered useless by the fact that they're that they can't do the thing that they're doing does that make sense you mean that actors must rely on people to cast them yeah, in someone has to cast to... them into something and so the being to be an actor out of work is to be both like sort of useless and powerless because you're you can't do your thing and even if you did your thing it wouldn't be anything because you're not in something mm-hmm. there's a certain amount of like egotism but then also like just total total self um I don't want to say self-loathing. That's that's too strong. But I mean, thing, things that are that cause indignity, you know, and oh, like, oh, bummer, you know, like I, we've all done it, you know, driving eight hours to play at a bar for only the bar staff. You know, these these kind of like oh, punishment, like this kind of sucks. But um, but that are also kind of catastrophically funny and and silly Um I think also the the thing that I've kind of realized over the course of of making actor and also um and shooting a couple music videos is just that what seems to be the most interesting jobs are like the director and the the art design and and the key grip I mean it, at least in my very 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 limited experience it, it it does sort of go back to what David Mamet said you know speak loud enough hit your marks you know deliver deliver your lines and and everybody else is sort of doing the extreme legwork to make it look great and sound great and whatever it's the sound of young america i'm jesse thorne we're at the calgary folk festival in calgary alberta my guest is one of the performers at the festival annie clark she writes and records and performs as saint vincent i want to play uh, one more song from actor this song is called laughing with a mouth full of blood just like an amnesiac trying to get my senses this is actually kind of like a, a pretty song um, with uh, uh, some really kind of uh, the, the, the lyric that it, that lyric that it turns on. Um, I think it's laughing with a mouthful of blood because I took a spill <laughs> from a little spill. I took from yeah, a little yeah, yeah. spill. I took like that is um, that's such an intense juxtaposition, um, not just the laughing and the blood, but the idea of blood and a little spill, like a little spill becomes suddenly becomes this scary thing. Mm. Um, do you ever do you ever start to write a song and then just think like, oh, you know what this needs? Uh, something kind of uh, that will freak people out. <laughs> you know, I think I think that it's all been just natural and not not intentionally, you know, manipulative or 
you know, hey, this needs a little blood and guts, but it it just all all the all lyrically seemed to just pretty naturally flow out of out of my I guess emotional state at the time, and also I was I was pulling things from. Um, uh, there's a Philip Roth quote in there, um, paint the black hole blackers from a, uh, from a novel called the plot against America. And I was kind of, kind of beg borrowing and stealing from some of my favorite writers there. Well, thank you so much, Annie, for taking all this time to be on the Sound of Young America. It was great to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. Annie Clark uh, performs and records as St. Vincent. Uh, her most recent record is called Actor. She's also performing here where we are recording at the Calgary Folk Festival in Calgary, Alberta. That's our time for another Sound of Young America program. I've been your host, Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. The show produced by Speaking Into Microphones. Our editor is Nick White, our associate producer, Julia Smith, our development director, Teresa Thorne, and our intern, Christian Natividad. You can find us online at MaximumFun.org, where you will find free downloads of all of our shows, every single interview, basically, that we've ever done, except for the ones that we lost when I moved, um, which, frankly, aren't even that many. All for free, downloadable, or streamable, as well as our other programs like the comedy talk shows Jordan, Jesse, Go, and Stop Podcasting Yourself. It's all online at MaximumFun.org. If you have thoughts about the show, you can email me at jesse, J-E-S-S-E, at MaximumFun.org. We'll see you next time right here on The Sound of Young America.